Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. A newly married young couple moved into a brand new neighborhood. And one morning, while they were eating breakfast, the young wife saw her neighbor hanging the laundry outside. That laundry is not very clean. She doesn't know how to wash correctly. Perhaps she needs better laundry soap. Her husband looked on, remaining silent. That's a wise young married husband, by the way. (laughs) Every time her neighbor hung her laundry out to dry, the young woman made the same critical comments. A month later, the woman was surprised to see a nice, clean laundry on the line and said to her husband, look, she's finally learned how to wash correctly. I wonder who taught her this. And the husband replied, I got up early this morning and cleaned our windows. I got up early this morning and cleaned our windows. And here's the point. When we, what we see when watching others depends on the clarity of the window through which we look. What we see when watching others depends on the clarity of the window through which we look. So don't be too quick to judge others. Jesus, if you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. We're in this brand new series called Say What? Questions that Jesus asked. You, you, you kind of survey the Gospels and there are these moments where Jesus asks questions. He asked people questions. And some of these questions, you read them and you go, say what? Listen to this. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard that you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now here comes the question twice. Listen to this, verse 3, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye, question mark? How can you think of saying to your friend, let let me help you get rid of that speck, that splinter in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Here's the question. 
Why do we worry about the speck in our friend's eye when we have a tree, a log, a plank in our own eye? How can we even think of saying, verse 4, how can we even think of saying to our friends, our family, our spouses, hey, let me help you get rid of that splinter in your eye when you and I can't see past the log, the plank, the tree in our own eye. I, I love the way in the message, Eugene Peterson takes part of this and he puts it this way, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults. You, every one of us in this auditorium this morning has to make a decision right now. Are you willing to be open or are you going to be defensive as you receive this message? Are you going to embrace a posture of humility or are you going to embrace a hard heart and allow your heart to be hard? Are you willing to be spiritually hungry or are you already yawning with spiritual apathy? My prayer over each one of you and each one of your hearts is for God's tenderness, God's kindness to gently help us move to a, a new place, a place where we're saying, God, bring it on. I want to be a loving person. I want, I want to be a, a person who's experiencing healing so I don't hurt others. I want to be a person who's living in the freedom of the Spirit of God that's helping me live beyond myself to be an encourager, not a critic. I don't want to be known as the person who, who's saying, I'm, oh, John Ireland, that guy's always picking on people. Oh, John Ireland, he's always jumping on other people's failures. He's always criticizing their faults. So when we read this, you know, it's hard to kind of read between the lines. It's, we weren't there. We don't know the tone. But most scholars say that Jesus was using a sense of humor here. He was hilarious in this moment, comparing a splinter, a speck with a log and a, a tree, a plank in somebody's eye. He's using hyperbole, which is overstatement. He's, oversta he's exaggerating to make a point. And he's using humor to make a point. And it's interesting, but let me ask you this. Do you, do you know that, uh, where a splinter comes from? Do you know what a splinter even is? Raise your hand if you go, I know what a splinter is. Yeah. Do you know where it comes from? A splinter or a speck, it comes from a plank. It comes from a log. It comes from a tree. And here's what scholars say. It says, they're of the same substance, a splinter and a log. They're of the same substance, meaning this. Jesus was saying that we often criticize faults in others that we have in our own lives. The reason some of us are so good at finding fault in the lives of others is because we're so familiar with it ourselves. Take a deep breath right now. Whew. Keep those elbows in. Don't be doing this right now. He's talking to you, honey. Hey, none of that this morning. This is for you. You've heard the, uh, 
the saying, hurt people hurt people, right? You've heard that. Hurting people hurt people. I love the flip side of that. Loved people love people. When you know you're loved, when you're feeling and experiencing love in your life, it leaks out of you in the way you treat other people. And so part of, I think, what, what, what Jesus is also getting is let God love you. You are loved. You don't need to spend your life judging others. Spend your life encouraging others, blessing others, loving others, comforting others, rather than criticizing, finding fault, and judging others. That's what we're getting at here in this question. Why am I spending my life looking at the splinter in your eye? Man, I got a tree, I got a forest, I got a log in my own eye. And so here's the big question. How do we, how do I, how do I get rid of the log? How, how do you get rid of that plank in your eye? Which, by the way, others probably can see. You might not see it, but others can see it in my eye and in your eye. How do we get rid of it? How do we get rid of it? How do we get rid of it? That's what I want to talk about this morning. I'm going to ask you, uh, I got a little object lesson here for us. I want, I want you to just think about for a moment this question. Answer this. It's a little uh, multiple choice. Try and guess of these three things. We have a hammer. We have a magnifying glass. And we have a mirror. Which of these three do you think is the most powerful relationship tool? And which of these do you think is the most resisted relationship tool. Which, which of these three is the most powerful and most resisted relationship? Is this your primary tool? Is this the most powerful tool? Walk around with the hammer, criticizing, finding fault, picking on people, or is this the most powerful one? You're just like sin patrol around here. Hey, dude, given. Hey, bro. Hey, uh, Schaefer, I see you over there, bro. Or is it this one? The mirror. The mirror. I want you to consider this morning that the mirror can be your most powerful relationship tool at getting better at relationships, creating healthier relationships. The magnifying glass and the hammer are all, are all about fixing other people. All about my job on planet Earth is to fix my wife, to fix my daughter, to fix her husband, to fix my grandson, to fix my staff, to fix people around me. You know what the problem with that is? How many of you have, have, have tried to fix other people and it worked? It made, it made things awesome. People loved you even more. Doesn't work that way. People that spend their lives trying to fix other people, it makes, makes things worse. And so these words from Jesus, they're words of wisdom for us this morning. No matter how hard you try, no matter how badly you want to, you cannot change them, whoever your them is. You cannot, and trying to do so will only make matters worse. 
Some of you know the name Andy Stanley. He's a pastor of a huge church in the Atlanta area. And I read a story about his own reflections of doing marriage counseling, but doing it with one spouse. He said, often I'll have one spouse come into my office. And let me just kind of read from my notes here. It says, he says that a lot of times when a spouse with a cold, distant, and painful marriage comes in to talk to me, all that they can talk about is where the other spouse is at fault. They blame their partner. And Andy says, he'll say, you know, clearly the person who's the real problem isn't here. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to draw a circle, and this circle represents 100% of the chaos, 100% of the pain in your marriage. I want you to draw whatever part of this pie that represents the part for which you are responsible versus how much is the fault of your spouse, of your partner. And Andy Stanley says, they will generally draw a slice about the size of a small wedge, indicating this is my sliver of the blame. This is how much of the problem is due to me. But that large proportion or portion, uh, that's the part that's the problem is due to them. And... Uh, it suggests this is how much the blame is on them. And then Andy will say, well, since them is not here, let's focus on your slice of the pie because this is the only slice on which you can really work. And here's what's interesting. In almost every case, Andy Stanley says, people cannot do it. They cannot talk about their slice of the pie. They keep going back to them, them, them. And Andy Stanley says, as a result, the counseling goes nowhere, and the person leaves saying, I tried counseling, and it didn't work. Them didn't change. Now sit in that truth for a moment. Fixing other people is not the answer to your relationship challenges. There are many of you in this space this morning that would love a breakthrough in your relationship with your adult kids or your boss or a teammate at work or the person you're married to or a roommate. What Jesus is saying is don't be fixated on them. If you want to see a breakthrough happen, the change begins with you. I love uh, Dr. Henry Cloud. I've read many of his books. Here's a quote from him. He says, you cannot fix people who will not take feedback because from their perspective, they do not have a problem. Let me ask you a question. Are you open to feedback? Are you open to feedback? Is your roommate open to feedback? Is your boss open to feedback? Is your teammate? Is your spouse? If they're not open to feedback, it's just a losing cause. How many of you love unsolicited advice, by the way? 
And so the question is, how do we change? How, how do we, how do I get the log out of my eye? I think here's the, here's, here's the bigger question. Am I open and am I willing to go on a journey of transformation? Am I open? Some of you are here, this, you're not open. Like, I'm not, nah. In fact, when I lived in Mexico City in 1982, I was working with a woman. I was 21, 22 years old. And I had a person who was on my youth ministry team, I was working with students in Mexico City. And I just remember this comment she said to me. She said, I'm 35 years old, and I'm not going to change. If anybody in this relationship, on this team is going to change, it's going to be you, John, not me. And I remember thinking, here's a person that's not open to feedback. Here's a person that's not open. Some of you are sitting here today going, I'm 60-whatever years old. I'm not going to change. And I want you to know that that spirit is cancerous in your spiritual life. Anybody that's not open to changing and growing, that's the whole Christian discipleship pathway is becoming a new person. And so my prayer over each of us this morning is for your heart to be tender, to be soft, to be open, so that God, in his grace and tenderness and kindness, can bring about the transformation so you become more like him. I have a simple how do we change? How, how do we get the log out of our own eye? I think there's, there's three. It's the Spirit of God, and it's the Word of God, and it's the people of God. So here's my first point. You want to begin to get the log out of your own eye. Keep asking and keep listening to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God that nudges and prompts and convicts you. John 16, verse 8, and when he comes, he's talking about the Spirit, Jesus is, he will convict the world concerning sin. That's part of the Spirit in you, the Spirit's job. What is the Spirit of God doing in you? He's convicting you when you veer off the path, when you err into selfishness, when you're judging others and criticizing others and finding fault and finger-pointing, the Spirit of God's job is to bring conviction, to shine a spotlight in those dark places in your heart and in my heart. I don't know who gets credit for this quote, but I love it. Conviction is your best friend. Conviction is your best friend. Friend. Conviction is your best friend because when we stop feeling convicted, the problems get even bigger, don't they? When we stop having a filter of, ooh, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. Ooh, I feel guilty about that. that that's actually your best friend. That's, that, that, that's like this filter, a spiritual filter, that when I feel convicted, that's the Spirit of God saying to me, John, apologize. John, repent. John, stop doing, behaving that way. It's not helping, it's hurting. And so what if you, instead of 
and, and I'm speaking to myself this morning too, what if we, from this day forward, started praying on a daily basis, even throughout our day, not just throughout our day, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, I want you to convict me today. I want you to show me when I veer off, when I, when I, when, when I am not becoming the person you want me to become, when I start mistreating people, and I might even be blind to it. We all have blind spots. Sometimes we can't hear ourselves. Sometimes we don't know what it's like to be on the other side of us. We don't feel what that person's feeling like when you walked in and interrupted the conversation and embarrassed me or you with a comment, right? We're, we're not even aware of it. What if we started a courageous prayer? God, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you today to convict me. You know, the Bible says that he, he's going to guide us into all truth. Truth about God, but also truth about ourselves. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would guide me into all truth about my, show me the truth about where I'm hurting others, I'm dissing others, I'm insulting others, I'm ignoring others, I'm judging others. Show me where I'm being unthoughtful, mean, death by paper cuts. I remember, I remember a sermon I heard once, death by paper cuts. These small little comments that kill my wife or kill the people that are in my circle. God, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me. Convict me. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Make this your prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. And then listen to this. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad. Pray that every day. God, Spirit of God, would you point out anything in me that makes you sad? And lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's a courageous prayer. It takes a lot of courage to pray that prayer. God, show me. Point out anything you find in me that makes me sad. But that's the beginning of how transformation happens. The Spirit of God is a gift from God to you because God loves you. He's not going to leave you the way you are. He wants you to become a more loving person. So anything in you that's not loving, don't you want him to point it out? so that you can pivot and make some adjustments and let the grace of God love you in those places in your life that aren't loving? Ephesians 4, 23, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. The Spirit of God changing the way you think. It begins up here. Change the way I think. Change my attitude. God, I'm defensive. I don't want to be defensive. God, I'm judgy and critical. I don't want to be that way. God, why, why I'm self-righteous. God, I'm controlling. God, I'm angry. God, I'm whatever it is. When God points it out, own it. And that word repentance, by the way, it means the Greek word metanoia, it means change of mind. God wants to change your mind about the way you see yourself. Not defensive, but God, I'm open. 
And now I repent, which means I turn towards you, God. I'm changing my mind, and I want to become that person you want me to become. And so let's start there. Keep asking and listening to the Spirit of God. Second thing is keep reading, reflecting, and responding to the Word of God. Keep reading and then reflecting, chewing on it, simmering in it, thinking about it. And then responding is acting on it. When you read God's Word, when you hear God's Word, respond to it. Do something about it. It might be in a sermon that you hear. It might be in a podcast that you hear. It might be in a worship song that you hear the word of God. And as you simmer in it and reflect on it, then respond to it. I love in the early church, Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching this sermon, and this is what it says in verse 37. When the people heard this, they were, what's it say? Cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the others, what, what, what shall we do? That's the right response. When you, when you are cut to the heart by the word of God, when you hear it and you're like, whoa, that, man, that pierced my heart. That convicted me. I felt like that sermon was just for me. There was, there was all these, not a term full of people, but I think, I think God brought me here today just for me. When you have that sense that the word of God is speaking to you, that's the question. The question is just what the early church asked. What, what, should, what should I do? Responsiveness to the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It gives a, a, an overview of the purpose of God's word. It tells us that all scripture, not some, But all of Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. And then it says, and and, and it's useful. Stop right there. Some of you are wondering, why should I read the Bible? Is it useful? Is it profitable? Does it make any difference in my life? Well, here's what it says. It's useful for some things. What? To teach us what is true about God, about ourselves, about life. To teach us what is true, now listen to this next phrase, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Did you hear that? The Bible helps us realize what's wrong. You read it and you go, there's something not right in me. I got to do something about that. That's what the purpose of the Bible is. It's, it, it, it's to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. Then look at the next phrase. It, say it out loud, corrects us when we are wrong. Some of you are going, well, I'm never wrong. <laughs> and you're a pain in the butt to live with. It corrects us when we're wrong. And teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people. That's you. That's me. To do what? To do every good work, which is to live a life of love. The Bible prepares us and equips us or trains us to live a life of love. That's why it shows us when we're wrong. You read the Bible. 
it convicts you, it, it, it corrects you, and, you, and then you do something about it. So keep reading and keep reflecting and keep responding to the Word of God. Keep asking and listening to the Spirit of God. And now here's the third one. This might be the most challenging, but I, but I, but I think if you're going to take the log out of your own eye, you've got to be willing to go here. Ask and listen to the people of God. Ask and listen to the people. This takes so much courage to ask for feedback from safe people. Proverbs 15, 31. If you listen, if you listen, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the foolish people of the world. Is that what it says? No. If, if you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. There's not a person in here that doesn't want to be wise. Nobody here wants to be foolish. If you don't listen to constructive criticism, that's what you're going to be foolish. But people that have wisdom, they're willing to receive feedback, and it's so hard. It's so hard. And, and like we, I mentioned, nobody wants unsolicited feedback. That's why we have to invite it. But it takes so much courage because it, it's going to hurt. You're not going to go, oh, awesome. Thanks for that constructive criticism. How many of us are doing that? I mean, there's a few of you, man. You got tough, you're, you're able to do it. I don't know how. Constructive, it's hard. But it's going to make you wise. Listen to this quote, Henry Cloud. There's a big difference between hurt and harm. There's a big difference between hurt and harm. We all hurt sometimes when facing hard truths, but it makes us grow. It can be the source of huge growth. That is not harmful. Harm is when you damage someone. Facing reality. Facing reality. That's what we're talking about here. Facing reality is usually not a damaging experience, even though it can hurt. Facing reality is usually not a damaging experience, even though it can hurt. And what Jesus is going after here in your heart and in my heart, it probably will be hurtful, but it's not going to be harmful because Jesus is after your healing and my healing. He's, Jesus is not after harming you. He's, he might hurt you in order to heal you. Does that make sense? Sometimes you got to go through some hurt. You got to hear some hard truth in order to correct yourself, in order to make adjustments, in order to pivot, in order to, be, to begin to behave a little bit differently. 
And so invite the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the people of God to do the work of God, that healing work. Loving people love others. They don't judge others. They don't criticize others. They don't find fault in everybody around them. People that are deeply loved are full of grace and patience. They bear with the shortcomings of others. They're not quick to jump on the faults of others. And so I'm going to invite the band to come up. And I'm going to encourage you this week to go on this courageous journey of transformation. To say, I'm going to focus on the plank in my own eye this week. I'm going to pray that God would show me the plank that's in my own eye. And I am going to refuse to be fixated on the speck in them, in her, in him. I am going to look in the mirror this week. This takes courage. And it starts with humility. You can't look in the mirror. You can't have a spirit that's going, I'm going to look in the mirror and go, wow, look at me. Aren't I awesome? Most of us, you look in the mirror, you're, you go, whoa, I'm humbled a little bit. I, I'm not who I want others to think I am. And so what we're going to do here is we're going to sing a song, a powerful song. But I think this journey of transformation actually begins right here, right now. And I'm going to leave this mirror right here. And you might have noticed, they actually took, I think, two or three rows out uh, in the auditorium this morning. We haven't done this in a while, but I think part of transformation, I'll just speak for myself, I, I, the responding, you know how I said read, reflect, and then respond to God's word. Respond takes movement in me. It takes action in me. And so we're going to invite you, if you're saying, you know what, I, I, I want to go on this journey of transformation. I, I, I want to break through in some relationships or a relationship that's stuck, that's full of judgment and criticism, and I'm guilty of that, and I want God to begin a new work, a healing work in me. When we sing this song, will you just come down? You might want to, if you can't kneel, you can sit on the steps over here, or if you want to just kneel during the song as an act of humility. That's what we read in the Old and New Testament. We get on our knees saying, God, I'm desperate. And desperation, that, that's, you want breakthrough to happen? It begins with desperation. You come and you kneel, you say, God, heal my heart. Do a work in my heart. Bring conviction. Holy Spirit, convict my heart. Show me, show me, show me, show me the log that I can't see. Heal me of, of being fixated on the splinter in everybody else's eye around me, my kids, my adult kids my co-workers, God, so we're just going to invite you to come down. If you're ready to go on this journey of saying, you know what, I, I want healing. I want to become a new person. I want to become a more loving person and a less judgy, critical person. If that's you, as we begin to sing this song, just invite you to come down and kneel, or if you want to just sit on the steps or stand here on the sides and we'll sing. Uh, so let's stand together as we sing.